ain't going to say much about camp. We'll wait till tonight and let them say that tonight. Uh, but we did have a good time. And uh, he's got some good clips. There is a dog that you need to find out about a little bit. Uh, the dog almost caused a division in the camp. There's, there's these animal lovers on one side and these animals, not haters on the other side, but they just want the dog out of there. Not eating the bread and eating, drinking the water and taking cups out of the fellowship hall and all that other stuff. So this poor dog, man, he's caught in the middle, straight betwixt two. Didn't know what to do. Take your Bibles, go to John chapter 13, one. It's an old story everybody knows about. Uh, but I was thinking about uh, coming back from camp and, uh, and the people that was left here. And uh, it's a story of, the, of, of washing feet. And Dr. Peacock used this story a couple of times, but... There was a passage in here that I just wanted to look at just a little bit. I won't be long. I, 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 this is what everybody always says, and I say that, and I try not to be. Uh, but verse 1, it says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of the world unto the Father, having loved his own, of which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. What a blessing that is. That little passage right there is not what I'm preaching on, but I'm telling you what, he loves you to the end. And supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus knowing that the Father's hand, uh, the Father had given all things into his hand, and that he was come from God and went to God, he riseth from supper and laid aside uh, his garments and took a, a towel and girded himself. And after uh, that, he poureth water into the basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the, the towel wherewith he was girded. Then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter saith unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? And Jesus answered, uh, answered and said unto him, uh, What I do now uh, thou knowest not. Uh, that should be a pretty good uh, answer for a lot. most of us. We should just shut up at that point and say, Okay, I'll, I'll wait and listen. But thou shalt know hereafter. He goes, Peter saith unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Peter's kind of fickled. He says right here, Simon Peter answered, uh, said unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Father, thank you for your blessings today. Thank you for just letting us get back safely from camp. Again, bless the morning service. Bless the services tonight, Lord. Thank you just for letting us come and uh, have a place to come when it's raining outside that Lord, I just think about uh, Brother Whitfield, uh, George Whitfield. Lord, used to preach out in fields, and, and uh, they used to preach out all the time. Uh, the, the Wesley brothers, Lord John and Charles Wesley, uh, Lord, before they had churches, they were out there preaching. And Peter Cartwright rode donkeys and horses through the mountains to preach, Lord. And Father, we got a nice church to come to, and nice and warm, and air conditioning, heating, whenever you need it. Lord, I just want to thank you for all that today. Bless the service this morning, and Father, uh, bless this message. And we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, the Lord sit there, just real quick, the Lord's uh, coming to Passover, and he's finishing the supper here, and he's getting his disciples together, and, and uh, I mentioned this in Sunday school, but I'll mention it again. It says in verse 1, it says, now at the feast of the Passover, but halfway through that, he goes, uh, he knew that his hour had come, that, that he was going to depart out of the world. Jesus Christ knew exactly what he was here for. Uh, he knew how long he was going to be here for, and he knew when he was going to depart. Now, I don't know when I'm going to depart, but I know after 1980 on a back porch in Louisville, Kentucky, I know why I'm here, and, and I know what happened to me on that back porch. And, and uh, we had a good camp this week, and, and a, lot of, a lot of young people up there, and, and what really kind of bothered me more than anything else is that they all came together, and we're all trying to make them better and better and better, and really it's all within them to do it. Uh, there's nothing external that you need anymore to serve Jesus Christ. Uh, it is within you. If you're saved, there was four, four young men that raised their hands and said they wouldn't save. One, I definitely know got saved. Do you know if any more got saved? Okay, so two out of the four got saved. It wasn't Nick, was it? Ah, well, we'll get him. Dennis, I will call Dennis. Nick's a big old guy, man. He looked like a football player. Uh, you wouldn't want to mess with him. But anyways, uh, I'm sitting there going, two out of the four, so 50% got saved. And young people, this, for you, for you... You need to understand what happened to you and don't lose it. Don't let it go away. You need to keep that thing and just keep it in your mind, in your heart. What the devil wants to do is he wants to start pulling away. Right here in the midst of this crowd, Judas Iscariot is sitting here saying, Supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. 
in the midst of the, we had a few issues going on up there, but that, everything was controlled and, and brought, brought to pass. You know what it is? It's, it's uh, authority. People just hate authority. Jesus Christ is an authoritative figure here in this passage. And he is totally in charge. He's the king of kings and lord of the lords. But in this time, he's not. And he's sitting here looking at, at these disciples, and he's trying to show them something. And the disciples just don't get it. And, brethren, our whole lives is spent to, to understand some things and, and to realize you haven't arrived until you take your last breath. And out, out it says, absent from the body, present with the Lord. And guess what? Right then and there, you're going to get just about everything that you ever wanted in life. You're going to have a, a full understanding of everything. But on this side of glory, there's always a time to learn some stuff. Verse 1, Jesus fully understands, I said. He fully understands where he's going, where he came from, where he's going back. And as a lowly servant... Uh, he knows he has very little time left, and he's trying to get the information. Camp goes so quick, it's amazing. Yeah, and you try to get information in a bunch of these young people's hearts and some of the older people there, too. Uh, this is all the time you have, and a preacher comes in, he preaches his heart out, gives you some stuff. There's some other preachers up there, and, and this is all the time you have, and then you have to go away. And, and boy, I tell you what, you got to depend on the Holy Ghost at that point to get in. If you can get the Holy Spirit involved into something, then it'll start working. Uh, he loved his disciples. It says he loved them until the end. You can guarantee that Jesus Christ always cares about you. No matter what this world says, no matter what happens around you, you always have a friend that's sticking closer than a brother. The Passover's ended. Judas does his thing. Verse 3, it says Jesus Christ clearly articulates that he knows exactly where he came from. Verse 4, uh, then the Lord, here he starts into this, I'm going to wash your feet. And this is another one of those things where churches take it off out in the left field somewhere. Uh, I, don't, I don't have a problem with anybody washing my feet. I, I prefer that we wash our own feet. Uh, you don't know what kind of toe jam you have. Man, there's a guy on a ship. His feet stank. I, I wouldn't wash his feet if I had to wash his feet. Matter of fact, when he took his shoes apart, everybody left. I, I've, I've smelt dead animals that smell better than his feet. I mean, have you ever seen a dead animal on the side of the road and you go to move it and you almost throw up? That, his feet was that way. I didn't know anybody's feet could ever smell that way. Uh, but fortunately, over there, they wore sandals and it was always dry and hot and you just got dirt on your feet. You didn't stink like that. Uh, we were going to throw this guy in the shower one night and we was going to watch, but we couldn't find nobody who would throw him in the shower. That's how bad his feet stinked. It was terrible, man. Eventually, they got to him and, and uh, they told him, they sent him down and told him uh, about some cleanliness. And once he understood that he was making the rest of us sick, uh, he got his feet cleaned, and we didn't have no problem ever again after that. But, but the Lord's getting ready to humble himself in front of these. Now, this is Lord Jesus Christ. He's, he's going to walk, and he's going to walk in front of these guys. And he comes up to a group of these men, and, he, and they're sitting there looking dumbfounded, probably, like, what is he doing? And he takes a basin and, and takes his garments off. I don't know how, how, much na how naked he was when he did this. Uh, but it sounds pretty much like he was pretty much naked or, or close. He had a towel wrapped around him. And he, he wa started washing some feet. And I, it doesn't say how many disciples he washed before he got to Peter. Uh, Peter could have been the last one. I'm not sure. But he, he, nobody said a word. Uh, they're like trying to figure out exactly what is going on here. And, and a lot of Christians are that way. We sit there and we come to a church and we, we sit there and hear something happen. And instead of asking questions, we kind of let it go by, thinking that someday we'll get it. By the way, it never hurts to ask a question if you want to ask a question. It's good to. Uh, Peter, I like Peter. Peter always gets a negative rap for everything. Uh, but you know what? The person that usually does the most gets the negative rap. Uh, that's the person you really probably want to go to. That's the person that really wants to know is the one who's always, hey, what about this? Hey, what about that? That's the one that the instructors always want to shut down. That's the one that's trying to get the information. That's the one. You wonder why Peter was number one and he was the uh, apostle to the, the Jewish church in Jerusalem. He was always raising his hand, Lord, I don't understand. Lord, I mean, a lot of times he knows, guess what? Peter knows exactly what shoe leather tastes like. He was taking his foot out of his mouth all the time. But there came a day when he, he, actually, he actually put it in a pot and actually cooked it. It got a little better when you warm it up. <laughs> you get it wet. Shoes don't taste too bad then. He said, but the Lord, uh, verse 5, it says, Jesus starts. And in verse 5, he goes, and after that, he pours water into a basin and, and he begins to wash. And then verse 6, he said, then he cometh to Simon Peter. And Peter said to him, now you would sit there and look at that and say, why would Peter say that? He just washed five or six other people's feet and you're next are you going to wash my feet? Are you an idiot or what? 
I just did all these others, and now I'll come to you. I'll bet you the Lord he was the last one. Uh, because the conversation pretty much goes to him at this point, and between him and the Lord. Uh, and it doesn't say that he continued washing after Peter, so I think Peter was the last one. Uh, and the Lord was like, I can't believe that you're going to be the, the head apostle at Jerusalem. I mean, everybody here, I'm washing their feet. Have you ever had a conversation with somebody, and you tell them exactly what's going on, and they look at you like, mm. and then they ask you exactly what you just said, like seven different other ways. And you try to say it five different other ways, and you can't ever figure a way to say it that they get it. I'm thinking, Lord, I said, what do you do with this? Forget it. You just do it and go on and move. He looks at Peter. Peter says, he says, are you going to wash my feet? Verse 7. Jesus answered and said unto him, what I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. You got a book in your hand. And young people, and all the whole church. We got a book that sits here in our hand that God gave us every answer that you could possibly ever want. But I will tell you this, you won't get it all at one sitting. I had a guy come on and he tried to give me one of uh, a commentary from, uh, they say, the old preacher, Dr. Rupman's commentary. And he goes, I've already read it. I'm, oh, that's good. He goes, yeah, it took me about six hours to read it. I'm done. Here you go. You want it? I'm like, don't you want to keep it for, like, reference? I got one. I got my commentaries over at the house. I got commentaries, Matthew Henry commentaries. I got all of them. I've been looking at those things for 30, 35 years. I mean, you're going to get rid of it? I said, it's a reference book. Why would you get rid of it? Well, I already know everything in it. You know what he just told me? I said, you're an idiot. I said, this thing is a lifelong uh, trek that you step. People who get saved and they don't realize that this thing is a lifelong, it's a way of life. To me, Christianity became a way of life in 1980 for me, and it has never changed. And I, I keep growing through it. And what I'm learning is I got to let go. The more I go down the road, you'll hear me say, oh, you got to let go of this, got to let go of this. You know, some people are young and they just don't know how to let go yet. All you have to do is let them have time. You know what we need to do, the older ones? We need to give them grace and mercy like the Lord had grace and mercy on us. You know what the Lord has right here on these group of people? He has grace and mercy, a whole bunch of it. Uh, he looks at Peter and like shaking his head. I could just see the Lord the whole time looking at Peter. I know your future. I got it, man. But, I mean, he could have right here said, you know, you're going to deny me three times. He should have started that in, like, Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. Peter, you're going to blow it. As soon as he got him up out of the boat, he said, come and follow me. Called Andrew and Matthew, Matthew or Peter and, and Andrew. He should have said, Peter, Peter, by the way, you're going to blow it the whole time. You know, he didn't do that. He gave Peter enough grace and, and rope to hang himself that he, he never really hung himself. But Peter goes on and he says, what I do now thou knowest not, but thou shalt know Hereafter, that's a, that's a promise. Down the road, you'll figure that thing out. If you hang in there long enough, you'll figure this thing out. And what you'll realize is it's the greatest thing that you've ever done in your life. Uh, getting saved in 1980 is the greatest thing I've ever done in my life. I've done a lot of stuff. Got to do a whole bunch of stuff. But I'm telling you, there's nothing compared to getting saved on that back porch. I didn't know everything right there that day I got saved. But at looking back on it for 43 years, that was the greatest thing I've ever done in my life. I got to do a lot. Like I said, I did all kinds. I told them kids the other day, I said, I got to do all kinds of stuff. Nothing compares to what happened to me in those 43 years with Jesus Christ. Nothing. There's been good times. There's been bad times. There's been down, downtrodden times. There's been great times. There's been crying times. There's been hurting times. Tribulation times. There's been rejoicing. I mean, there's been praising God. All that stuff is in there. And I'm still looking at that thing like that was the greatest thing that ever happened to me in my life. Uh, I can sit back. Beth was sitting there talking to me this morning. She got her Bible. She's reading her Bible. And, and she said, I got marks all in my Bible what God has done for me over the years. Now, I'll tell you what, after a while, you know what? When you first get saved, you get a brand new Bible, and it looks really nice. Uh, it, it, until you spill coffee on it, I don't think it's a Bible. Uh, you got to do, do something to that book. Leave it on your car. Let the rain rain on it or something. Uh, and then all of a sudden, it becomes more personal. And then as time goes on, you'll start putting little notes in there if, if it's to you. And, and he'll say something. You go, oh, man, yeah, that's true. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that, that is. And then years later or sometime down the road, you'll read that book and you'll open it up and you'll come across that and you'll remember exactly why you put that note in there. Beth says, oh, I put this note in here about you. Oh, I put this note in there about you. Oh, I put, I, I'm like, do you ever put anything in there about Jesus? Surely you don't think I'm him. But, but she does. She tells me all the time, oh, I remember I put this note in there about you, and I was praying about it, and, and the Lord showed me right here this is about you. And I think she's trying to encourage me. And then verse 8, Peter's always like one step ahead of the Lord. He never, he never does anything. He says, you ain't going to wash my feet. And then the Lord says, if I don't, you have no part with me. Peter's, I mean, just always there. Verse 8, he says, Peter saith unto him, 
Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Simon Peter saith unto him, I mean, he changes just like that. Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Father, thank you for your blessing. And bless the message, and Father, we'll praise you and honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, the rest of this message is very long. Peter, Peter is, is one of these guys that when he gets a hold of something, he never lets go. And he can mess up, and he can go off to the side, and he can cry like a baby, and he can get, get offended. Uh, but in the end of that thing, he's going to come right back in. And he's going to finish the thing up. He's going to finish what he started with the Lord Jesus Christ. He's not, and he does that. You go to Second Peter. He knew that his time was at hand, and he was. He told the Lord, he said, thou shalt never wash my feet. And within seconds of that conversation, the Lord got him, and he said, okay, you can wash my feet. You can wash my feet. Jesus told him, if you don't let me wash you, you're no part of me. That right there was enough to change Peter's mind. Uh, some of us, some of us, we have a problem. We went to camp this week, and I, like I said, I don't want to say a whole lot, but, but what we want to do is we don't want to forget what happened this week. Your feet will get you into trouble if you don't watch out what you do. Your feet will take you places you should not be. You should not be. What you're going to have to do is, and Peter's sitting there, the Lord says, uh, you only need your feet washed, the rest of you are clean. But sometimes, sometimes our feet takes us even after we get clean, and it'll mess you up. And it'll get you someplace you shouldn't be. Uh, we'll walk to places you should never walk. You know, Adam and Eve, Eve, Eve should have never walked to where that tree was. But she did. She should have never used her hands to reach out and grab what was on that tree. But she did. Her head told her, oh, it looks good for food and everything else. I can shove that thing down my throat. Which she did. She used her feet, her hands, and her head to get her in a mess. And then Adam came along and did the same thing. Now, I said, Adam, Adam, Eve was in the transgression. Adam knew what he was doing, but he still did it. Your feet sometimes will get you messed up, man. I mean, it'll mess you up worse than anything else. Romans 8, 5 says, for, for they, down your mind, your mind, you got to watch your mind. Your mind, with this week, you guys got a bunch of preaching. We've added, we added in, Brother Joe added in four more preachers in on top of Dr. Peacock. So you got all those messages coming in. And that information, and there's a lot of people out there who watched it online. But the, the, your mind, you got to watch your feet and your heart and your mind and your hands. Those will get you in trouble. I was sitting there this morning and, and uh, going out to find something real quick. And, and the next thing I know is, is something caught my eye and I'm off on this rabbit trail. I'm like, whoa, whoa. I, I, I said, get off here. Uh, they, you know, the computer, these things will tear you up. They, I don't care who you are. These things will tear you up. They'll get you places where you shouldn't. Your eyes, your hands, your feet. You know what? I tell you what, if the thing is, is in your car, you'll have to use your feet to go get it out of your car. And we'll do it too, man. We'll run. I got to have my phone. I got to have my phone. I wonder what they did in wagon trains when they came across the country. They didn't have e emails. They didn't have internet. They didn't have T-Mobile. They didn't have Verizon. They didn't have AT&T. You don't have to worry about getting the newest and the fastest phone in the whole wide world. Uh, let me ask you a question. Why do you need the newest and fastest phone anyways? This right here, this is a Samsung 8. I get them on, on eBay for about 60, 70 bucks a piece. If I crack it and bust it, I can get another one. Probably the 10s now are dirt cheap now. Uh, they may have a little a thing in the back of them, but all I care about is will it call? Can I call with it? Can I make a phone call and can I get a picture that Beth sends me so I can tell her I've seen the picture she sent me? Uh, they're, they're on their own little world over here with their own little uh, mom and kids and, and all this. Paid. I never get any of that stuff. Beth has to come show me or she sends it to me. She has a secondary one with me. I guess my kids don't like me or they know I'm not going to answer them too much. Uh, but, I mean, I look at Beth and there's like a hundred different things on there. What did they do? What did they do in Noah's day? I still don't understand this thing. Why? How come all of a sudden this thing is so important to us? When it used to not, for 6,000 years, this was never important to us as a people. That was, You know what? We didn't have a problem with all the stuff we have uh, that we got problems with today. We never had those problems before. Now, I, little boys never knew that they weren't little boys. You know why? Because mommies had the little girls in dresses. Now mommies have the little boys in dresses. But little boys were in blue jeans or shorts out playing with poison ivy. They didn't know no better. 
They were out playing with bugs. I remember when uh, we, I was going through Bible college and uh, a friend of mine had a daughter and she was just as prissy as she could be. She had a little dress on real nice and, and, and Andrew was out there. and He was a little kid too at the same time and, and he got her filthy, man. I mean, every time uh, J- uh, <sighs> Jessica, every time Jessica would, would dress her little girl up, she'd dress up like a little girl. I had no problem knowing that Jessica's little girl was a little girl and Andrew was a little boy. I had no problem looking at either one of them. Uh, you could say, hey, this is what this is. Today, you start looking at them, and you're like, I don't know. Uh, you can't tell. Uh, they have, you go get surgeries now to change everything to make you look. Uh, no, you came out of the womb what you are. I'm sorry, there's no way you can change that. Your X and Y chromosomes or your Y or X and X or whatever they are, X and Y and XX or whatever, your chromosomes tell you what you are. Uh, but, but, but really, a good mirror will tell you the same thing. I mean, you really don't need it. Uh, you can have an X mirror and a Y mirror and, and see which one tells you what. But uh, I, it doesn't make no sense. Romans 8.5 8, 5 says this. For, for, they are, uh, for, they are they, for they that are after the flesh do mind, mind the things of the flesh. You know what's happening? Sometimes your feet and your brain and your hands are all together. Ask Steve. I told Steve I had this little pair of clippers. Uh, if y'all ever found out Steve cut his finger really bad yesterday, he was, I mean, really bad. It looked really, really bad. And he was using hedge trimmers, and I brought a pair of clippers down and said, Steve, this is what you're supposed to use to clip your fingernails with. I said, not, not that. <laughs> I thought that was funny. He thought it was funny. You might not think that was funny, but, I mean, he whacked that thing down the middle. Uh, and it, I, it's, it's, it doesn't look very good at all. But, you know, your, your hand... <laughs> Your hand and your mind, his hand and mind wasn't working too good yesterday at that point. It was something happened, man. The next thing you know, his finger, his finger knew real quick that his hand and his mind wasn't working very well at that point. I, I said, brother, I feel your pain. I had my hand all surgery operated on one time. And when I looked at his finger, I mean, my hand just, I, I, I could feel that. I could just go back 30, 40 years ago, man, and remember that surgery I had. I said, oh, man, that hurt. And I, I told him, I said, hey, brother, we got some Motrin over here if you need it or whatever. Uh, I, I got a, my dad looked at me when I was coming out of surgery and they didn't give me anything either. And he called the doctor and says, look, you either get, you either find a pharmacy. It's like 10, 11 o'clock at night. He said, you either find a pharmacy that's open and you get him some painkillers or I got a fifth of Jack Daniels whiskey and he's going to start drinking it here in a second. I was like, well, I wasn't saved at the time. I was like, yes, give me the bottle. <laughs> I mean, every little kid at that time thought that's what you should do. But you know what? That's what your feet and your mind. and That was my dad's mind. That was his answer to everything was alcohol. Today, that's what our answer. Our answers have shifted to where it's all fleshly stuff out there. Kids, you can't do that. You've got to watch where your feet go. Your feet is going to go where your mind's telling it. You ever wonder why you're in the wrong place? You're thinking about the wrong things. You think about the wrong This week, you got away from some stuff. You know, we had some problems with some kids up there, and, and it went uh, across the week, but we got through the whole thing. Now it's all over, and, and everybody's back to where they're supposed to be. But, guys, you were fed some stuff this week that went into your head, and you need to make some decisions and keep making those decisions, the right ones, and keep out of trouble. And don't let your feet get you to where you need to be, or you don't need to be. It said, uh, first five says, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit the things of the Spirit. So there's two different sides. Paul's sitting here talking, and he goes on, he says, for to be carnally minded is death. I mean, that's an instant death sentence, to be carnally minded. You don't want that. Anybody goes, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind, this thing right, you know what Eve had? She was spiritual, but her mind got carnal for just a little bit, and she's seen that fruit hanging on that tree, but somebody got a hold of her and, and wooed her to that tree. Somehow she found that tree in the garden and got over there. The Lord told her, don't eat of it. And then somebody started saying, oh, man, don't that look really good? That looks really, really good. I was telling Brother Barry, man, I had a bad Saturday. Beth had one, too. My diet went out the window last week. It was gone. I did pretty good up to about Thursday. After Thursday, man, hot dog buns, all that stuff, just it was over. It was over. They got pizza on Friday. I had pizza. Saturday, oh, it was terrible Saturday. I mean, the whole day Saturday. All the way to last night in the ice cream. I said, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. I told her I'm going to have to go 40 days and 40 nights fasting to catch up to where I should need to be. But you know what? My feet, I'll just tell you that. My feet took me to those pizza boxes. My feet took me to those buns. I knew I shouldn't eat those buns. 
my body was saying, you need to eat those buns. I said, I don't need those buns. Yes, you do. And you could tell I lost. But I'm just letting you know your feet will get you in trouble. Psalm 119.15 says, I will meditate in thy precepts. You know what will keep you out of trouble? Thinking on the Bible. If you don't think on this thing, it won't do a bit of good for you. He says right here, he says, I will meditate on thy precepts. David says, and have respect unto thy ways. I will delight myself in thy statutes. You need to make that thing your happiness. You need to make, make God's things, the things God. I sit there, like I said, at my PC this morning, 4 o'clock in the morning, 5 o'clock in the morning, whatever time it was. And I started, I said, Lord, look at me. I'm writing this message about this, and I'm doing it. I said, I'm doing it. This world will grab you so quick, it'll make your head spin. And you don't even know you're doing it. The best thing to do is just throw the stuff away or get it as far away from you and keep your feet from going. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, the heart is deceitful. You can't trust this thing. You can't. What you do is you got to do trust this and match your heart up with this thing. The heart is deceitful above all things, desperately wicked. Who can know it? The Lord says, I know it. Luke, I like this one right here. Luke 6, 45. A good man out of the good treasures of his heart bringeth forth uh, that which is good. And an evil man out of the evil treasures of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For out of, the, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Have you ever caught yourself saying things you shouldn't say? Doing things you shouldn't do? Kids, you got young, I say kids, y'all are young adults now. And you got your life ahead of you. And the devil wants to get you just like Eve back in that garden. He wants you to go grab something that you shouldn't grab with these hands. You know, the hardest thing you'll ever do is just say, no, I'm not, man. Uh, no. That small, still voice that sits inside of you, that's your conscience, it's going to warn you about a couple things from time to time, and, and those are the things you just don't do. I told him in Sunday school class, I had a young lady come up to me and said, she thanked me for that message, and I said, well, amen, thank you. And she goes, uh, I did exactly what you just said. She said, uh, that small, still voice told me something was wrong, and I didn't do it, and I wanted to do it, and I just couldn't do it, and I just didn't work, and eventually the Lord worked that thing out, and it didn't happen. And she had a smile like this big on her face, and you could just see the joy. Her, her little eyeballs were glistening and all this other stuff. And I said, Lord, all that was was a young lady listening to the, the Word of God. That's what she, it had nothing to do with my message. She had already done what she did before she heard me. She just said, that's exactly what I did. Brother, you know, all you got to do is do what the Bible says. But you got to read this thing to do it. And guess what? This thing right here does not want any part of that. I'm telling you, no part. I've watched some of the weirdest stuff happen in the last couple of years. It's just unbelievable. Matthew 8, 15, 18 says this. But those things which proceeded out of the mouth cometh from the heart, and they defile the man. Have you ever watched what you say out of your mouth? It'll, it'll get you in trouble every time. For out of the, the heart, this thing right here. But it has to come from here to get to here. For out of the heart proceeded evil thoughts. Murders and adulteries, fornication, thefts, false witness. But we had a problem with stealing up there. That's why I was asking about Nick. Nick, I come up, uh, Nick's a lost guy. And there's this big old tree, and Nick was trying to hide behind it, but he's bigger than the tree. Uh, so I don't think he was hiding very well. And I, drive, I was driving down, and I stopped and said, hey, Nick. Yeah. I said, what are you doing? He said, somebody's been stealing stuff out of our, our uh, camping quarters there. I said, I'm watching. Man, I tell you what, if he'd have caught you, he'd have tore you up. <laughs> that guy was big, man. I mean, he's like five campers to one. I mean, that's how big. This guy was a big old guy. I mean, I, I think I would look up to him. He, he had to be 6'5", 6'4", 6'5". Big guy, hair down to here. I mean, this guy just looked like a big old football player is what he looked like. Good guy, man. Got a good heart. He was watching his cabin is what he's doing. He's waiting for somebody to go in. He's going to go beat him up. <laughs> they would never steal again. <laughs> <laughs> he said, I'm taking care of my a lost guy. I'm taking care of my cabin people. I'm like, that's good, man. I said, boy, if you could get the rest of them saved guys in there to do that, we wouldn't have no problem. <laughs> you know, you learn all kinds of stuff at camp. Young people can teach you all kinds of stuff. He goes, uh, these are they, these things which defile a man. But to eat with unwashed hands, the things outside isn't. You know, everything that you do comes from within. And each one of us has the ability to do the right thing. I want to tell a little story here, and, and you've heard this story too. It's about the prodigal son. We know that story. We've heard that story so many times, it's, it's unbelievable. But Peter said, not only my hand, my feet, but my hands and my head. You know, there are almost every problem that you ever get 
is going to start right here in your head. And it's going to make your feet and your hands do stuff that you shouldn't do. And what you got to do is you got to keep it from getting here to here. What you got to do is get this thing from here to here. And let this thing wash this thing, like the Lord said. And let this control this in your feet. Your feet will take you where you don't need to be. And sometimes you won't know that for years down the road. And there's nothing you're going to do about it at that point. Uh, you're just going to have to live with the mess that you're in. Or work through the mess you're in. Or let the Lord, and the Lord can do it. Luke 15, 11, it says, in his, and, and he said, a certain man had two sons. And you've heard this story a thousand times, if not 10,000. And the younger of them said to his father, you know what that young guy did? He started thinking. He said, my dad has, has got a lot of this, and he's got that, and he's got this, and he's got that. And, and I'm just going to go up to him, and I'm going to start seeing if he'll give me what, I, what is mine. First of all, it's not his. My mom, my mom has uh, got a little bit of money in the bank, not a whole lot. I don't know how much she has, and, and I don't really care. Uh, I have family members that are probably fight over what she has, and I'm like, that is so ignorant. Uh, we just put her in over there, and, and me and Beth paid the money to get her in. Uh, she owes me like 10 grand, and if I ever see it, I don't care. I, I really could care less. My mom's done enough for me since I was a kid. Uh, I mean, she put up with me in areas where she shouldn't have had to put up with me. And probably most of her problem is what I did to her. Uh, so I deserve, I deserve what I get, my mom. You'd have to meet my mom. A couple of ladies in here have already met my mom. And uh, you may not think that she's what she says she is, but she's deceiving you, ladies, I'm telling you. Uh, she's putting on a good little face, a little like, I'm a good little Catholic girl. <laughs> yeah, right. But this guy right here, it went to his dad, and his dad, out of the right heart, really gave his son his inheritance. People fight over some of the stupid stuff. His other brother hates him, hates him for this stuff. His other brother gets everything else, but he thought his way out, and he's looking for a way to get away from the father. And so many people really in life, we, we get saved, and we start walking down through there, I'm trying to find a way to get closer to the Father, and yet I've met people over the last 43 years that's looking for some reason to get out. And if you're looking for a reason to get out, there's always a reason to get out. You can say the sermon's terrible, oh, this is bad, the, oh, the lights flicker, or this happens, or that happens, or, or, or he doesn't do this for me, or they don't do this for me, or they, these people don't like me. You know, most people have never liked me in church. I mean, I, I'm a, I tell you what, I am an introvert. You may not think that, but I really am. But in a regular church service, I'd come in, sit down, listen to the preacher, and I'd go up and leave. I didn't come to, for, I came to hear what God had to say. That's what I came for. And after 43 years, here I am. People say, why would you do that? Because I want to hear what God has to say. I need to change my life to match what he, look, I sit on a back porch and yelled up in the sky, and he answered me. Why won't he do that for the rest of my life? I want to do what he said do. Guess what? I'm like Peter. I don't understand everything. And that when the Lord says, hey, Mike, you ain't going to understand on this back porch exactly what's going to happen to you 43 years from now, so I'm not going to tell you. So just get saved. I'm like, okay. I'm like, Peter, man, I mean, I'm good with that. And you know what I found out over walking with him over the years? He corrects, he makes corrections in my life and shows me what to do. But you got to get up and do something. It's kind of hard to correct somebody standing here. Have you ever yelled at somebody when they just look at you? You don't know if they even heard what you said. If you yell at, I like it. I like the way Dr. Peacock talked about an instructor they had. He would walk backwards, run backwards 100 miles while he's yelling at all the other guys. And then he'd get in your face. I could, I could just see him. I, I had some drill instructors like that. They'd run right next to you, yelling at you, going, go on and say it, say it, man. I just want you to say it. It'll be your last thing you ever say if you say anything to me. And them guys would do it to you, man. I'm telling you what. Some of these people who work out, they make me sick because they can actually do stuff that would hurt you. And uh, you got to watch what they say. But here's this young man. He gets the, what his dad wants. He's looking for a way. And then his feet take him away. And initially, you would think, oh, man, everything's cool. Look at him. He did it. But he gives you the rest of the story here. He's like Paul Harvey. He tells you all the rest of the stuff that happens here. Some of us never get the rest of the story. And we think, if I just get away from my mom and dad, if I just get away from church, if I just get away, I can do whatever I want to do. But guess what? The all-seeing eye God 
you know, we got a dollar bill and they got this all seen on about it. No, the, you go, your government don't see everything you do, by the way. They just see like 90% of it. God sees the whole thing. Amen. You can't hide from him. You can't hide. This, this young man couldn't get away. You know what the father did? The father had enough sense about him to allow this thing to happen, knowing, because he kept looking for him to come back. And he wasn't sure exactly when he was going to come back, but he, he kept knowing he was going to come back. He thought his way out of the father's house. Verse 13, it says, And not many days after the younger son gathered all, once he got what he wanted, then he realized, hey, I'm on my own, and now I've arrived. I can go do what I want. And he took his journey. That's his feet. Peter knew when he told the Lord, he said, not only my feet. He said, Lord, I know me. You know, there's, the best thing you can ever do is know who you are. I tell everybody all the time, you don't, you don't ever want to get married until you know who you are. Because how in the world are you going to pick the right one or even know the right one's the right one if you don't know who you are? Who are you? I seen a movie a long time ago. I tell everybody, one phrase in that movie just stuck out. It says, no matter where you go, there you are. Do you realize it doesn't? I've heard people say, my mom tells me, I'm going to go here. I'm going to go. I said, okay, fine. I'll, I got her car over the house. Got it all fixed up, ready to go. Got gas in it. I have to treat her like a little kid. She said, I heard you preach about me all the time. I said, yeah, I do. Mostly negative. I tell her, that's Beth. I tell her the truth. I don't lie. The nurse came in and said, you really, are you really, you really talk to her like that? I said, yep, yep, that's just me, man. I said, you're her son. You're her son. I said, yep, that's me. I'm her son. I'm her young son. She'll tell you. She says, Mike, I don't know where I'd be if it wasn't for you. I'm going to leave. Good. I'll park your car out here. You can leave. If you can get in your car and drive away, just go for it, man. It's got full gas. Get you home. I said, I'll even put, I got a brand new GPS, a nice one, like a $300 GPS. I'll put it in there. I'll program it to your house. All you got to do is follow the map. You know I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Brother, you know what? Sometimes you just got to let people do what they want to do and just sit there and get back on the backside of that thing and just start praying and say, Lord, help them, help them, help them. This young man, he thought, man, if I just get away, I can go out and I can, make, I can make my life, I can make my future, I can do it. No, you can't. No, you can't. You know what? The best way to ever do this stuff is to do it with Jesus Christ. And he took his journey into a far country. His feet led him away. And there he wasted. That's what usually happens to people. You get a few bucks and you waste it. And there he wasted his substance with riotous living. That's his hands. He used his mind and his hands and his feet, feet to get him in the wrong place, his mind thinking, man, if I just do this, I can make five bucks. And if I can make five bucks, I can. you know, I've been doing this my whole life, and I haven't ever succeeded in making a million dollars, although I know how to make a million dollars. I say from time to time, if I wanted to, I could go out and make a million dollars. That's a lot harder than what you think. If you can make a million, you could probably make ten. But to make a million is, is tough. Why? Because you want to spend that stuff as fast as you get it. And the mind is a terrible thing to have. Because all of a sudden you start thinking. And that's the worst thing you can do if you do not have the Lord guiding and directing your steps. Some people actually make it, by the way. Some people actually do make it. And they get a lot of money and you think I can be just like them. And I think the devil allows some of those. You know, Esau was like that. I just read that this morning. Esau and Jacob over there was sitting there, and Jacob goes away for 20 years. It cost him 20, his feet cost him 20 years. He deceived his dad twice. His feet, he had to go to Laban. And he got over there, and his hands and his mind got him in trouble. And 20 years later, he comes back. And 20 years later, you know that guy's still afraid Esau was going to kill him? Well, he lied and stole his brother's birthright, and then he lied to his dad and got the blessing. Uh, I mean, but Esau didn't care. In the long run, Esau momentarily was mad at him because he didn't get a blessing. He wanted his dad to say something good about him. He said a couple things good about him, but Esau goes off. 20 years later, Esau's got tons of money. He's got, and he's, he's, he's still out of the will of God. God still didn't bless him. He said, Esau have I hated and Jacob have I loved. You can't look at somebody just because they got stuff and say, I've heard people do that. I've heard Christians do that. Well, look, God must be blessing them. No, sometimes people just do good. You can't trust that. You know how you know to trust it? You have that still, small voice inside, the peace of God that passeth all understanding right here. That whether you're the beggar getting licked by... I had a guy tell me the other day, I think it was Brother Spurgeon. We were sitting here talking about that beggar at the rich man's gate. And the dog's licking his sores. And Brother Spurgeon goes, I had an epiphany. I said, oh no. Anytime anybody has an epiphany, they're going to tell me their epiphany. Now I've got to listen to his epiphany. He goes, I wonder if that dog ate, them dogs ate him. 
<laughs> I said, well, you know, I said, gee, who has said, hey, throw that Jezebel out the window. They threw her out and she hit the ground. He stomped all over her for a bit. He came back a little while later. The only thing that's left, palms were her hand or skull. Dogs ate her. I said, maybe them dogs was licking and tasting him. See how he tasted. And, and then he died. And in Abraham's bosom, it said the rich man died and was buried. Never said nothing about the beggar. But why would the beggar care? He's in Abraham's bosom. You know that old, old time, man, that beggar could have been just laying there thanking God that he had some dogs licking him. I have no idea why the beggar, you never heard a beggar complain. But the rich man was rich. You would think very sumptuously every day. You'd think he had it. But, but that prodigal son got there and wasted everything he had. You know, young people, what will happen if you don't watch out? Your feet will get you in the wrong place. That's why Peter said, Peter already knew himself. He knew what he was capable of doing. I know what I'm capable of doing. And I'm like, oh, Lord, I said, Lord, straighten me out. Boy, I like to preach them. I can just sit back and get preached at the whole time. Uh, what I found out is you keep yourself busy in life and, and life... I've been saved going on 43 years now, and it just has flown by. It's gone. It's just gone. And if I can just keep myself busy for the rest of my life doing something, I will stay out of trouble. Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. That's me. I preached a message on that donkey that was, that was tied up at the, at the a place where two ways met. I said, I'm that donkey. I said, I'm tired. I was tied up there, and I couldn't get out of that place. And the Lord sent two of his disciples. You know, God sometimes sends people to help you. And they loosed that donkey and the Lord used that donkey. You know what the Lord did for me 43 years ago? He loosed me at a place where two ways and he showed me which way to go. And I went that way and I've been walking, trying to walk that way. You know, donkeys are stubborn. Me and my mom start talking and everybody says, you got that after your mom. I said, yeah, man. That's where I got my stubbornness, right there. She's, that's down her line, man. I know right My mom is not a donkey. She's a donkeyette. I'm the donkey. <laughs> but I'm telling you, brother, here he is. He, he wasted everything. Verse 14, watch this. And when he had spent all, this is where the hope comes in. There arose a mighty famine in the land. You know, sometimes God brings stuff into your life that you need. You need it there. Uh, we see the bad stuff happening. We think, oh, God hates me, hates me. No, he doesn't hate you. Sometimes he loves you. But it's just sad that it takes this kind of stuff to get our attention. Boy, wouldn't it be nice? I heard Dr. Roman preach a message one time. He said, boy, wouldn't it be nice? Uh, we got padded pews. I've had people complain because the backs aren't padded. They could just be wood crates there. And you could be sitting on crates. Or how about some concrete blocks with some, with some two by sixes across it and you're sitting on that. But no, we get padded pews and people say, well, they should have been padded on the back too. When are you going to pat them on the back? I'm like, it's only for an hour. I mean, you ride your car longer than that to go somewhere, but the seats are comfortable. No, no, they are not always. And when he had spent, there rose a mighty famine in the land. And he began to be in want. There's a good thing to be in want sometimes. If you get to a place where you're in want, you might start thinking. You know what he starts doing here? The young man starts thinking again. Thinking is what God gave you that in between your head for, by the way. He didn't just give you there to get you in trouble and let your feet get you in the wrong place. Young, young guys, boy, he preached to these guys, man. He called them everything but human. There was a whole bunch of young guys. There was more young guys than there was young girls. I mean, he called these guys, even ours, everything but human. You better be glad you weren't there, brother. Man, you've been included in that mess. Uh, I was sitting in the back over here, so I wasn't part of that. But I'm telling you, he called them, and then he go over to the girls and said, why would you want one of these? I wouldn't want none of these. And I mean, he just go off on them. You know what happens? A guy will get his mind thinking, and he'll start doing some stuff he shouldn't do. If, he, if, if a guy would put as much effort into doing the right thing than he does the wrong thing, we'd be in a great place. They don't do it. And when he had spent all he had, you got to get broke sometime. There arose a mighty famine in the land. And he get, began to be in one. And he went and joined himself to the citizens of the country, thinking they're going to help him. They're not going to help you. They're going to use you. You need to understand that. They're going to use you. I don't care who you are. They're going to use you. They're out to use you. I've been doing this for 65 years. They use you, and then they retire you if you make it to retirement. They called me in when they laid me off out at LexisNexis. They called me in and said, hey, we messed up and da-da-da-da-da. Well, they laid a whole bunch of people off right after me. They gave me a severance package. Everybody after that, they didn't give nothing because they seen the amount of people they are going to lay off. 
Boy, you know, I thank God for that. He moved me right into at, at the right moment to get out of there. And everybody else that had worked there years longer than I have got nothing. And I'm sitting there going, Lord, they just, they'll just use you and, and spit you out. But as long as you're there, the, you know how you can always know when they're done using you? Or when everything's getting ready to go bad? When the coffee starts going away. You go into a company, man, they give you coffee and donuts and all that stuff all the time. When all that stuff starts going away, that's when you know your company's about ready to go under. You better get out of there quick. All the big fat ones do, man. They're going to go to the next coffee place. And he would have feigned have filled his, I mean, he's out there trying to fill his, his, there you go, his feet and his hands got him in the wrong place again. And he's now out there with the pigs. And his feet and his hands got him in the wrong place. Peter says, hey, not my feet only, but my hands and my head. You know what you ought to be always doing? Say, Lord, clean me up, clean me up, keep me clean, keep me clean. But the key here is you keeping yourself clean. You got a book? Read it. Wash your, washing, renewing it all the time, man, keeping your brain clean. When he came to Zelf, verse 17, his mind returned to common sense. Peter, I, I, I use this story to give you some hope. Peter was with Jesus Christ the whole time. And although Peter made a couple blue blues, I mean big ones, uh, the Lord knew. He denied him three times. He knew he was going to do that. But put yourself in Peter's shape, in his position. All the other apostles, put yourself there. You got big Roman guards there, and they come in to get Jesus, and they're going to go out and kill him and everything else, and you're, that'd scare you to death. You got the whole Roman army against you, the scribes and the Pharisees. You got all them people against you. It's hard telling what anybody would do in that position. The Lord knew that. He knows your frame. He knows your but dust. You know what he did? He always gave you a way back out of that thing. Here's this, here's this little boy right here, and he's sitting there going, he came to himself. His mind returned. Verse 20, Luke 15, 20 says, and he arose his feet. He didn't just stand there and came to his father. He starts walking. All the way, he's probably wringing his hands, saying, Lord, he ain't going to take me back. I messed up. I didn't spend everything that I had. I'm a mess. I stink. I don't need to smell good. I have no clothes. I said, maybe he'll just make me a servant. Maybe he'll just let me be a servant. That's, you know what, what? He's starting to get the right heart. His heart's starting to get right. His mind is getting in the right place, and his mind is affecting his heart, and his feet are moving in the right direction, and his hands are probably doing the same thing, just wringing his hands. And he gets back, and he looks up now. You'll always hear about the father looking at him, but, boy, I tell you what, I couldn't even imagine when that young boy looked up that day, there was his father watching him. I don't even deserve that, number one. I don't deserve that he even cared. Have you ever been to the place where you messed up and you get back and you're like, Lord, I messed up. And all of a sudden that, that warm feeling starts flowing through your body and your heart starts tingling and you, and you start getting little goosey bumps on your back. Your head starts ticking up and the Lord starts talking to you. Again. It's like you're saying, welcome back, son. And you're like, Lord, why in the world would you even care? He goes, I know your friend. I know you messed up. He goes, I know what you've done. I know what you've done. Boy, your whole life it could be that way. Your feet will get you in trouble. He told Peter, Peter said, I'm going to read this verse and I'll be done. Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Young people, don't, you got some stuff this week that don't, don't let Satan take that thing out. Right here in this passage that we were reading over in Luke, Satan was sitting right there and he got Judas and Judas turned his heart completely against the Lord Jesus Christ over some money. 30 pieces of silver. What a waste of a life. The man went out and hung himself. It was a prophecy that that was going to happen, but I'm telling you what, when you sit there and look at all this stuff, that, that doesn't have to happen to us. We have the ability. You have that treasure. The, the whole thing was about treasures. You have that treasure in earth and vessel. That thing is in me. And I don't, I don't want to squinch it down. I don't want to quench it. I don't want to grieve it. I want that treasure to flow out of me and to somebody else. And I'm telling you, if you give that to the Lord in 10 or 15, 20 years, you will want the exact same thing. The problem is that the devil says, oh, there's this other stuff out there, and you can get Jesus later. Wrong. Don't waste your life on this world. Get a career. Do whatever you want to do. Keep Jesus dead center. So when he comes along and you're doing something for 14 years, I was in the Navy for 14 years. One day the Lord said, hey, it's time to go, and I left. 
You know what I did? I just kept him in my path for the whole 14 years. And I never let him get out of sight. And I kept him there. When it was time for me to find my wife, guess what? He led me right to Dayton, Ohio. I was in Norfolk, Virginia, by the way. And if you think you're going to find a wife in this world that's going to be right what God wants you to have, you're going to have a problem. Or a husband. Unless the Lord directs you right to that spot. In my case, he did just that. I'm a dumb hillbilly from Kentucky. I mean, he had to almost, he had to get me here. And then once I got here, there was Beth. Like, she looked like little Bo Peep with her little staff. She had me like that. <laughs> Brethren, you know what? You just listen to God and he'll do. He said, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him with your head. And he shall direct thy path. That's your feet. Your hands can't get you to trouble if your feet don't get you where you're going to get in trouble. If you stay back from where you're in trouble and you keep that thing, you, sometimes the answer is just no. No, run. 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 There has no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. You can bear anything. It won't feel good sometimes, but you can do it. Run. Sometimes the best thing to do is run. Because in the end of this thing, really what you want to do is you want to be like Peter. I want to get closer, not further. Where are you at today? Some of you in here need to get a little bit closer. You just need to be closer and closer and closer. You need to sit down and say, Lord, I'm not going to get any further. This is as far as I'm going to go. I'm like the, the prodigal son. Uh, the pigsty hadn't got quite there yet, but I'm going to turn around and get back to where I need to be. We heard enough stuff this week that you need to keep that in your heart and move forward and spend the rest of your life trying to find a way to serve him, not spend your... You're either going to serve God or mammon. Now, I'll tell you what, if it's, my, if it's me to do all over again, I would do... If I could do anything over again, I would have got saved at 16 or 14 and served him another six or seven years earlier. And there's some things I would have done different than I did now, only to get closer to him. I had to spend a lifetime to get there. Don't spend that lifetime. Father, thank you for your blessings this morning. Thank you for letting us go to camp. Lord, thank you for all the young people. Thank you for the church that stood behind. They stuck by the stuff as we were gone. Thank you for Brother Cliff uh, Taylor preaching Wednesday night for us and taking care of the services for us. And, and just all the men that stayed here and, and uh, was here for that and the ladies. Uh, Lord, thank you for the ladies going over to see my mom. What a blessing that is. It encourages her. Uh, Lord, thank you for just the church. Lord, thank you for letting us be a church. Lord, you put your hand down here upon us and and, Lord, we're here today because of you. But, Lord, today is, is just one day in a, a lifelong uh, journey with you. Lord, help us to keep our feet and our hands and our mind where they need to be. And, Lord, when we get off track a little bit, Lord, help us to get back on. Uh, Lord, as Peter said, he said, not my feet only, but my hands and my head. Lord, wash us and keep us clean, uh, Lord, that you can use us uh, for your honor and your glory. Lord, if there's anybody in here today that doesn't know you as their personal Savior, Lord, I pray for Nick. I'm just thinking about him, Lord, that you would uh, touch their heart today in here. And, Lord, show them their need of a Savior. I pray today that if Nick is in church, Lord, uh, in Ashland, Lord, that you would touch his heart and that he would come to know you as his personal Savior. And start down that path with you, Lord, and, and uh, start enjoying the walk that, that only you can give. Uh, Lord, bless the services now and the, and the invitation. And we'll praise you and honor you in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen.